BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Internet shit. Uh, this is podcast. Robert behind, you know, bastards and such. Hello, everyone. This is behind the bastards, and I'm here to podcast on the internet. That's most of what I wanted to get across. Anything else, Sophie? Uh, no. Okay, good. Now today uh, we're we're talking with my friend Mr. Miles Gray. Miles, how are you? How are you doing in quarantine? Oh my God! Help me, Robert. You're not you you you're not doing great. I'm f- I'm fine, relatively speaking. I'm I'm getting used to a new way of living, to put it mildly. Uh, but you know. It's taking a lot. I'm actually learning a lot about myself through this quarantine, and I'm trying to use that part to be empowering rather than fucking frightening. (laughs) Well, we're all learning a lot during this new period of quarantine, and Mm -hmm. some of the people who are learning the most are America's religious leaders, particularly the leaders of large churches that make their money by having a lot of people uh, cram in the door uh, every Sunday and, and drop out donations. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, today, Miles, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about how organized religion uh, historically responds to plagues, uh, and that's going to be <laughs> a fun topic for you to discuss. Are you a big uh, fan of plagues or organized religion? I'm uh, plagues, not as much. I not as much as I used to be. Uh, not as much as you in used terms to be. When were you really into plagues? Oh, around 2012 when that game okay. Plague Inc. came out and I was yeah. just fucking laughing my ass off. I'm like, here come the London Olympics. Get ready for global spread. Um, anyway, but organized religion, I went to Lutheran school 
until eighth grade. And then I went to a Catholic high school. So I know a little bit about uh, all sides of the crucifix. Of the crucifix. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, right. Because religion. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Miles, let's, 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 let's shove our intellectual proboscis into this mm-hmm. subject and uh, excrete saliva in order to dissolve it so that we can suck it back up and gain nourishment. Wow. Who yeah. eats like that? What flies? What insect? Oh, is that a fly hat? Okay. Yeah, they like they like squirt goop out and it, it dissolves stuff and then they suck it back up. Pretty sure that's how flies work. Can you now? This is the natural extension of knowing something like that. Is can you b- make a big barrel of whatever they spit out and just kill somebody with that? Uh, probably not. I mean, maybe if the flies are carrying a disease, but they aren't always. You know. Yeah. You have to. Takes, I, yeah. You need a lot of flies. You need a lot of flies. Now, Miles, outside of your plans <laughs> to murder people with flies, um, mm-hmm. let's talk about, let's get into this subject. So on a video posted in early February 2018, Texas evangelical preacher and member of Donald Trump's Faith Advisory Council, Gloria Copeland, uh, said this to her parishioners uh, in a Facebook Live video. And I, I want to I have you play that and, and play the start to about a minute and four seconds. Well, listen, partners, we don't have a flu season. We've got a duck season, a deer season, but we don't have a flu season. And don't receive it when somebody threatens you with everybody's getting the flu. We've already had our shot. He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. (laughs) That's what we stand on. (laughs) And by his stripes, we were healed. If you've already got the flu, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every person that has symptoms of flu. I'm asking you, Lord, by your supernatural power to heal them now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Mm. Flu, I bind you off of the people in the name of Jesus. Jesus himself Mm. gave us the flu shot. He redeemed us from the curse of flu. And we receive it and we take it and we are healed by his stripes. Amen. You know, the Bible says he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And by his stripes, oh, we were my healed. Goodness. Yeah, that's pretty great, isn't it? Woo. He, you loving I'll that? T- Dude, her energy is like someone at a bar who has been lying about everything they've been telling you the whole time, but is ultimately <laughs> trying to get free drinks. Like, yes. it's like, yeah, you know, because basically, like, the mm-hmm. way I look at it is everybody's blessed and how I, like, it's just very fast, very smooth, but she sounds fucked up, though, too, in a weird way. Like, yeah, she I'm, does sound like she's, she's, she's doing all of this to, like, get you to give her a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all that to say, man, yeah. uh, you know, you want to buy me a shot? But, you know, the people who do that get a lot of free shots and a lot of cigarettes. Uh, and she yeah, that's has made like a that. lot of money and is now advising President Donald Trump. I mean, bless um, her. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Gloria in that video went on to note that um, uh, listeners should just keep saying, I'll never have the flu. I'll never have the flu. Inoculate yourself with the word of God. Flu, I bind you off of the people in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. It's good oh, stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, now, I mean, again, 
That was <sighs> February of 2018, Miles. And that year's flu season was, according to the CDC, responsible for more hospitalizations than any previous season in the CDC's records. Uh, and mm. the fact that Copeland had the ear of the president while she was advising her, more than a million listeners to not get flu shots, um, may have had an impact on why that season was so bad. It may also have been a message of things to come. As I write this in March of 2020, uh, we are, or well, actually, yeah, I wrote this in March. It's now April. Um, but we're at a place where the president very recently voiced his desire to reopen the country well before medical officials advised him to do so, so that he could have it open in time for Easter. It looks like we've moved past that particular bad idea. Um, mm. But my God, it was like right on the fucking edge there for a little while. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't even... So, yeah, I mean, I I get it. That would have been great thematically. You know, it would have been have, awesome. Like oh that would. God, it would have been while everyone was dying around me. I would have at least been able to like envision the scene in the movie made seventy years later, where like they film a bunch of to like increasingly unsettling like music builds as all these different congregants you know file in and shake each other's hands and yeah you could you could mm-hmm. you could you could make that uh, that four minute scene is amazing and then switch to the the mass graves you know um, yeah i mean it's it'd be a great meme though where jesus capitalist christ uh you know is being crucified by covid19 right now and then resurrected on easter uh to come back with massive sales with 30 percent off f- some of your most favorite items yeah yes um and you know Speaking of capitalist Jesus Christ, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, so I I wound up, like, interested in all this, and I went down this rabbit hole of, like, digging into the reactions of specifically Christian churches to horrible plagues all throughout history, Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I, as a little bit of a, a, um, I don't know, a, a, a content warning here, um, this whole episode is just because I was drunk at on Google at midnight a couple of days ago, and and now mm-hmm. the script exists, so you're it's just going to have to uh, it's going to happen to you now, Miles, and there's no yeah there's no escaping it. So we'll okay. start with the Black Plague uh, because it killed about a third <laughs> of the world, and it's like you know kind of the gold standard of plagues, you know. Yeah. Like, if we're comparing plagues to like terrorist manifestos, it's like the plague equivalent of uh, the Unabombers book you right, know right. it's like it's like the top of the fucking pillar you know what is this uh, uh, albums as in terms of albums i mean i guess uh, it all depends on your taste but for you what's I, if the plague I mean, was an album to you i what think is it? i think the who's tommy is the greatest album of all time so i would say the black plague is the tommy of plagues wow okay i like Whoa. that mm-hmm. i learned a lot so, about you right now thank you yeah so, uh, most of our media tends to focus on the damage the plague did to medieval Europe, and it it, it, it fucked medieval Europe up pretty bad. Uh, but the plague actually started off somewhere in the east. Uh, we don't really know where exactly, and it was equally devastating in Asia and the Middle East. And one of the first sources we have for the Black Plague was Abu Hafs Umar ibn al-Wardi, uh, an, a Muslim scholar who himself died of the Black Plague in 1349. And he claimed its origin was somewhere in China, which at that point was a much vaguer term than it is today. Uh, and he described that in the Near East, it, quote, sat like a king on a throne and swayed with power, killing daily 1,000 or more and decimating the population, which is a, mm. a sentiment now that we're losing 1,000 Americans a day to this that reminds me more and more of the president of the country. 
Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You hate, you hate when history does that thing of like yeah. just showing back up. Like, <laughs> yeah. You thought I was done. So it so the Black Plague like rolled, probably spread along the Silk Road, you know, through travel and transit and the major arteries of those two things at the time. Um, Got it. And yeah, by 1349, it was it had hit Limburg, Germany, where one chronicler wrote, there came a great death in Germany that is called the first great death, and they died by the dozen. And when that began on the third day, they died. In Limburg, more than 2,400 people died, not counting the children. Because we didn't really count the children Ooh. back in the day. Like, why would we give a shit about yeah. the kids? Like, fuck that noise. <laughs> How do you, th- what the fuck was going on back then when they were doing body counts? Like, they're just well, tossing kids them to die the all side, the time. like Jeremy Irons You know, and kids die for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, like there's kids are just dropping left and right back in the day. So until somebody's like 15, they're not even real. Um, so oh, if like a yeah, bunch of right, babies right, yeah. die, like who gives a shit? Expectations are low. Yeah. Once some like adults start dropping, then it's like, okay, now we're losing Uh-oh. some. Right, right. Those little those little screaming short people are all quiet, but now, <laughs> now there's not as many people to go work the field. Something might be right. wrong. Yeah. If you can't work, you don't count. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the attitude. Now, at this point in history, if you were a Christian, you know, there there was no Protestant game in town, right? It was just like Orthodox Christianity and Catholicism, like that was kind of it for you. Um, and since, you know, Orthodox Christianity and Catholicism were like the, the, the Christian religions in town and the church in Rome was the wealthiest government in Europe and probably the most powerful government in Europe, the church was kind of on deck to take action when this horrible plague starts killing everybody. Like, mm. there's not really much in the way of organization or unity, pan, you know, European when the plague hits. The church is the closest thing you have. You know, it's your CDC at the time. And it was right. not great at being the CDC. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I can only imagine what um, that is like. Oh, science? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> Not our strong suit. Um, now, to give them, I mean, to give them a little bit of credit, it wasn't anyone's strong suit at the time. Like, it's not like the doctors had a great handle on germ theory in the 1340s. Yeah. Um, so no one really knew what to do. Um, so this will actually be the first, the only part in the story where like the church isn't taking any, they're taking actions that are endangering and killing huge numbers of people, but they, they don't mean to be, you know, um, Mm. like they couldn't have really known how this was all going to work out. It's not really, uh, yeah, there's a lot to It's like watching like a puppy play with like dynamite or something. You're like, oh, um, you don't want to, oh, I know it looks like a toy. I, I don't know, because, like, the Catholic Church is a hor- had done a lot of horrible, horrible things up to this point in history. It's more yeah, like... I guess not a puppy. It's more like a serial killer accidentally backing over a puppy, where, like, right. that doesn't really, like, if you're trying to, like, list, list that person's crimes, like, well, they didn't mean to hit the puppy, yeah. but it's just a thing that happened, because they... Yeah. <laughs> that happens to be a thing that just happened. It's on their resume. It's towards the bottom, really. Yeah, it's like John Wayne Gacy accidentally runs over a cat. That's the Catholic right. Church in this specific instance. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the church's first reaction to the outbreak of plague in Europe, authorized by the Pope, was to hold mass processions through the great cities of Europe. Now, again, oh, they boy. couldn't have known this was a bad idea, but this yeah. was a terrible, terrible call. Um, and it came out of a long-standing tradition called Rogation Days, which were enormous multi-day processions held by the church to, quote, sate God's desire for penitence. 
Um, oh boy. Yeah. Oh so like God. God's pissed and you got to march through. God's always angry at you and you got to like, so the ancient Catholic church, if any of you had parents who um, had anger management problems or substance abuse issues and like they come home like really pissed off and it's like everybody's job has to be to calm down, you know, mom or dad or whoever. I'm guessing a lot of people listening have had that experience. That's kind of the general attitude towards the Catholic Church is like something bad is happening. We've got to all like fucking the church, like God is home and drunk and we need to like <laughs> right. chill him out or things Uh-oh. are going to end badly. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> That's very much the attitude kind of everyone has towards God in Europe. Um, And so they start these mass exhibitions of faith to honor specific saints. Um, And it also kind of gives, you know, it it, it kind of helps reinforce the power of the church in Rome. Um, So, yeah, uh, as one historian wrote, it is little wonder then that one of the first actions of the church upon the arrival of the plague was to call special civic masses and processions thought to be useful in quelling the divine rage and sparking repentance in the people. And in some cities, these processions lasted as long as three days and were attended by thousands of people. Penitents went barefoot and wore sackcloth. They sprinkled each other in ashes, wept, prayed, tore out their hair, and waved candles as they stumbled through city streets. Um, You may recognize this all as very bad social distancing. This is not not recommended. It's just Um, plague cella in the streets. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's like, all right, let's 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 fucking yeah, let's spring break Ooh. everywhere, but with hair tearing, <laughs> hair tearing. That's like, yeah. and you know, like, sure, hair tearing though isn't like a fun, calm thing. You can say like hair tearing, like you have to really envision what's happening there. People are probably screaming, crying, pissing, yeah. just get terrible. Get some hit. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get a like, hand on your hair right now and just yeah. kind of feel how deep it's in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, imagine, it's a lo- yeah. Imagine having a list of things where hair tearing yeah. is probably towards like the top and you start at the bottom. Like, okay, yeah, screaming, right. Like sobbing, right. Like crying, great. Uh, like punching, sure. You have to get through a lot of shit before you're like, yeah, hair tear. Yeah, pull my own fucking hair out. Rip my hair out. Oh my it God. is one of those things like, um, like tarring and feathering. Where um you know we kind it just kind of gets like oh yeah people used to get tarred and feathered that sure was a thing but it's like no no people were pouring boiling pitch on each on other right, people right, and it, right. it 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 killed them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's not like in a fucking uh, like Disney yeah. like channel show where the kids do a gag where it's like feather them with yeah. glue. Yeah, it's not it's not really glue, you know. Yeah. The, their only glue was like as hot as the coffee that burned that woman Ugh. so bad she needed to be hospitalized because of McDonald's. Anyway, yeah. Um, I, this is, yeah, uh, l- l- let's roll along. So yeah, obviously all these processions spread the bubonic plague fucking everywhere, right? Like, of right. course. Um, but you know, it, you can't really, the church didn't know what they were doing. Um, and the, for a little bit of fairness, the best data we have, which is also very imperfect and none of it, you know, is numerical data, but the best data we have suggests that non-Catholic parts of the world suffered pretty similar death rates to the Catholic parts of the world. So like, mm. and probably because kind of everyone's reaction was to do similar things when this starts to happen. Like it's just this unknown, horrible thing, you know? Um, And if we're going to be really fair to the church, we should also note that priests and nuns probably died at a significantly higher rate than the rest of the population because they spent a lot of time ministering to the sick and dying. Um, In his book, The Great Mortality, John Kelly, the, the historian, not the 
not the Trump guy, uh, points out that 42 to 45% of all of the clergy in Europe died during the plague. So half of all the priests, half of all the nuns, half of everyone who works in the church, which is, again, your only international organization, effectively, in this period, half of them are fucking gone. Um, And that's compared to about 30% of the general populace. And this has a a permanent long-term effect on on the church in Rome. And I'm going to quote from a write-up in Medievalist.net. Because so many were ill and so few priests remained as the disease progressed, Clement VI, who was the pope at the time, declared that the dying could make their confession to anyone present, even to a woman, said an English bishop, and that it would still lead to salvation. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Now, this was a big deal for the church, as previously only clergy were permitted to perform last rites. As Barbara Tuckman writes in A Distant Mirror, the calamitous 14th century, Clement VI found it necessary to grant remission of sin to all who died of the plague because so many were unattended by priests. Uh, the priests were doing what they could, but they were paying with their lives. So this is one of those situations where, like, the Catholic Church isn't really to blame for what happens during this period, but it really fucks them over. And you can honestly, a lot of historians look at this as, like, the beginning of the end for church power and the way that it had been. Just because, like, right. all of their best priests, the most dedicated, the most connected uh, to the community, all fucking die. Um, and the only priests left are, like, the shittiest, the ones who believe the least, the ones who are willing to, like, hide from the plague. Like, <laughs> the I'll... scumbags. Yeah. Um, and that has a long-term impact. So... Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, regular people, because there's suddenly less priests, less nuns, no one doing last rites, feel like the church has abandoned them through the crisis, even though it actually probably did more than almost anything to reduce the spread of the disease that now priests who had been exposed to the plague weren't wandering around touching people anymore. (laughs) Like you don't want to be. Yeah. Um, But people don't see it that way. They see it as the church uh, abandoning them. Um, And, and so, yeah, uh, it's pretty cool thing that happens in this period of time. And it's hard to take any kind of lesson from this because like, I'm going to say it's bad that the Catholic church lost, but it's like messed up that after all the genocide and torture, the thing that like really starts to fuck them over is too many compassionate priests trying to minister to the sick. (laughs) But also those compassionate priests were the ones spreading the plague the most. So it's like, there's no lesson a lot of the time in history. It's It's just a bunch of shit. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And now look at us. It just filtered out all the fucking shitty guys. Yeah. Yeah, there's like the there's like the bits of history like studying the rise of the Nazis where it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of really direct and critical lessons here. And then there's stuff where it's like, fuck, I don't even know what I mean, you're supposed to learn you, from this. Yeah. yeah like you, <laughs> and cuz you're playing a completely in a different reality and yeah. a completely different set of knowledge. Yeah. So it's like, this is yeah. just some shit that happened. Wild, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yep. Yeah. That happened. Yeah, um, and it's worth noting that religion itself didn't decline during this period, just people's faith in the church. Um, The dead priests and the disease-bearing possessions of old were replaced by something that spread just as much disease, but that wasn't directly connected to the power of the Catholic Church, and was in fact even weirder. And we're going to talk now about flagellants. Do you know what flagellants are, Miles? Like when you self-whip? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the basic yeah. idea. I am very Not excited part. to talk to you about whipping yourself. But you know what's mm. a lot like beating yourself bloody with an iron-tipped whip? Mm, no, tell me. C- capitalism. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> that part. Here's some ads. Yay. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if people have learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You think, what's the catch? But there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com. Dot com slash behind. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Okay, and we're back, uh, and we're talking about flagellants. So, Miles, flagellants Mm -hmm. are, are men who believed that they were ordained by God to redeem society by recreating the suffering of Christ on their own bodies. And because I don't know if you've ever tried to crucify yourself, Miles, I can say from experience, it's not easy. Um, Mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of like really unexpected challenges in the self crucifixion process. Yeah, I mean, I would only maybe only metaphorically emotionally have I engaged in crucifixion. I mean, I do that all the time. Whenever someone gets yeah. angry at me because I'm, say, swinging a machete around and it, it wounds someone, I put my arms out to my side in the manner of Christ to to, to portray the fact that I have become a Christ figure and am, am taking uh, the sins of the world onto my own body. <laughs> um, I find that works out really well with people. They tend to they tend to respond to that. I guess it depends um, on their mood. Yeah. 
But flagellants are doing this uh, in a in a much more direct way. They're they're just beating the shit out of themselves. Uh, and I'm going to quote from what is I would say a generally positive write up uh, from the Christian History Institute because I find it interesting to go to these groups sometimes to find their write ups on things. So here's how the Christian History Institute describes flagellants. Stripped to the waists, beating themselves with leather whips tipped with iron spikes until the blood flowed, groups of 200 to 300 and sometimes up to 1,000 marched from city to city. They begged Christ and Mary for pity, and townspeople sobbed and groaned in sympathy. They performed three times a day, twice publicly in the church square and once in private. They were organized under a lay master for usually 33 and a half days to represent Christ's years on earth. They pledged self-support and obedience to the master. They were not allowed to bathe, shave, change clothes, sleep in beds, talk, or have intercourse with women without the master's permission. So, you see what we're going through here is like, we start with the Catholic Church's response, these processions, which are a horrible thing to do. And then we move on to the flagellants, which are like even worse. We're getting even worse at social distancing now. Um, That, and it's just sort of like like a kink show like a live kink show road tour yeah it is like, a lot yeah, we do like, two shows and the public will do like kind of a basic self-whipping they'll get off and then what we'll, where we really get the money is the private shows we do at night now if you want to get in there we'll do some weird shit the laymaster will let us fuck if we need to whatever you know so check it out it just sounded like a weird racket it's me. it's it's almost like it's an experiment to see how you can spread the plague most efficiently. So now mm-hmm. you have people who don't bathe for weeks on end and beat themselves bloody every day wandering through town. And they're not just being watched by people. Um, sick children are brought to them for healing. Uh, if those oh, children have the plague, God. obviously that spreads to the flagellants. If the flagellants have the plague, it spreads to the sick kids and their family. Okay, I take back but the also, thing. <laughs> these people, as these men are whipping themselves bloody, worshippers would dip their clothing in the blood and then press it to and then press it to their eyes <laughs> is that not disgusting as fuck miles it's Doesn't it's it like so no, dude. it really you- is like someone some scientist set out to be like what's the how can i spread the most plague oh, like god and they <laughs> no, they nail no, it no. they nail it That's- like this is solid work in terms of plague spreading i'm dude, very hey. impressed Get the bloody whip guy's blood mm-hmm. it in your fucking, rub it in your eyes. You want to get Holy it right shit. in that fucking eye, dude. Like, yeah. that's and, the place to do it. Who fucking told them, like, that you need, it, you had to go that far with it? Why couldn't um, it just been like, oh, we're near them? Why'd it have to be like, now I need the blood in my fucking eye? Like, you know, I think of it's... All ways. I think, Miles, that it's kind of like the yes and sort of thing as applied to religion. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Got just sort of, you, you just do what feels good in the moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, or it's like speaking tongues where one person yeah. is like, shala, shala, blah, 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 whatever. and then other people go all the way in. They're like, yeah, oh, exactly. that's all you got? Watch all this. Right. Uh, yeah, and they fucking start vibing. Yeah, I get mm-hmm. it. Performative. Yep. So I guess that yeah. person's just like, oh, you're just going to fucking sort of weep near them i'm gonna put yeah. the fucking blood in my eyes because that's yeah. how down and then everyone's like now we're rubbing plague blood in our <laughs> eyes it's yeah the new, it's the new hip thing it spreads virally you know although the the bubonic plague wasn't a virus but you know what i'm saying you get the you yeah. get the you get the yeah come on i don't think it come was on. a virus what's the bubonic plague of virus i always get this mixed up the the whole virus versus bacteria 20 oh 28 Bacteria. Yep, yep, that's what I thought. Okay, Boom. we're cool. 
I I Thank remain goodness. a great expert. So the flagellants are doing a bad thing here in terms of this objectively spread the plague to a shitload of people. <laughs> but again, they're not monsters. Like there's no one with like good advice really being like this is a bad idea and here's the right. evidence as to why like i mean you could i'm sure there were people who recognize that like this really see it seems like we get a lot more plague cases once the flagellants came in but like we're not doing so hot at science in this era so you can't right they're not trying to be irresponsible it's a nonsense time they thought god had just started murdering all of them and they reacted with panic but also in a way that like Fair. i can't be i can't call them monsters Fair. for doing it um, yeah, if we're looking for the greatest evil committed by Christendom in the plague years, um, it's actually something that occurs kind of separate from the organized chunks of the Catholic Church, or at least separate from what the Church wanted in that period. Uh, see, mm. folks suffering through the worst of the plague years noticed that Jewish people did not seem to suffer as badly from the creeping death. And there's a number of theories for this, and it probably boils down to the fact that, number one, Jewish people bathed regularly in the middle ages and Christians really didn't. So they're hmm. kind of the only P and, and yeah, that's still like maybe like once a week or once a month or something like they're not, but bathing, but bathing counts. and other people are just like, no, you just put on new clothes over your filth. And <laughs> you oh, know? Um, oh, they also my. washed the bodies of their dead before burial. And since the plague is spread heavily by like, um, fucking fleas and stuff like this helps, right? It reduces the, 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 they don't get it as much as Christians. Wow. Right. Um, and they also aren't attending these giant marches through the city. They're not hanging around near, around near the, the, the flagellants. They're doing their own thing in their own neighborhoods while Christians and Christian parts of town are rubbing the blood of whip-wielding transients into their eyes. So oh, it's not yeah. hard to see why Jewish people don't get it quite as much. And still a lot of them die of the plague. Don't get me wrong. But they, people notice that Jewish communities aren't being hit by this as hard as the Christian ones. Um, and rather yeah. than kind of recognize, oh, maybe we should start bathing and stop hanging out with these whip people. Um, no. Christians started engaging in a series of unspeakably violent pogroms. And in fact, some scholars will call this the first Holocaust. Um, and we will we will never hmm. even have a vague idea of the total death toll, but the individual massacres we know about were horrific. Um, in one Valentine's Day in Strasbourg, Germany, 2,000 Jewish people were burnt to death. Um, 3,000 oh Jews God. were massacred in a couple of days in the ghetto of Mainz. Um, Jews were massacred in Spain, in France, in the Balkans, and, and basically everywhere but chunks of Poland, because the king of Poland at the time had a Jewish mistress, and so he was... He was chill uh, <laughs> yeah he was like he's like hold up wait a minute this is great mm -hmm. for me so yeah it, don't worry about it i'm yeah. also just kind of i'm still thinking about the bathing part where the the christians culturally were so much dirtier and they're like look at them the old clean people who don't get sick yeah. They must be involved in some kind of dark shit or whatever. And then I, I don't, the idea of, yeah, what, how, I don't know, like the complexion of a person who has not bathed in however long you naturally interact with a bathing situation, what that's like. If it's like a scratcher that you'd get at a liquor store. Like you'd reveal a whole other thing under. Yeah, you get you get holier. You know, the longer you go without bathing, the more God loves you. Oh, oh damn it! God's uh, God's God's into some kinky shit, Miles. Um, he's <laughs> right. really he's really into you know that like um, 
You know, you know, God's favorite pornography is actually uh, old episodes of Peanuts and that character Pig. But no, this has gone too far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this has gone further than it ought to. Um, oh hell yeah! Where, yeah, where, yeah. Where, uh, where, are you, where are you going with that, buddy? You want to you want to finish that? I, there is. I you know I didn't want to lead this into like child porn territory. So let's go back to anti-Semitism. Um, <laughs> oh boy. So uh, now in, in trying to like parse out the Catholic church's guilt in this, the Catholic church is guilty of a ton, an absolute ass load of anti-Semitism over the centuries. And they definitely seeded communities around Europe with a lot of this and reinforced it in their Catholic churches with like stained glass reliefs of Jewish people killing Christian children that are around to this day. There were even more of them back then. So there's absolutely a significant level of guilt that goes into the Catholic church in terms of inculcating these enough of these beliefs in people that they were there when the plague hit and that had an impact on the massacre. But when it comes to what they actually did during the plague, when Jewish people started getting murdered, they didn't, they didn't encourage this sort of shit. Quite the opposite, in fact. Uh, Pope Clement VI released two papal bulls during the plague, one in 1348. And papal bulls were kind of like the presidential tweets of the day. Like this is Pope Clement, mm-hmm. like getting up and, and hopping onto Twitter. Um, The first of his papal bulls condemned people who attacked Jews for spreading the plague, uh, and specifically stated that Christians who did this had been seduced by that liar, the devil. And in his second papal bull, Pope Clement said, It cannot be true that the Jews, by such a heinous crime, are the cause or occasion of the plague, because through many parts of the world the same plague, by the hidden judgment of God, has afflicted and afflicts the Jews themselves and many other races who have never lived alongside them. Which is actually like a really reasonable, like scientifically backed reason for for not yeah. doing this like he's actually very he handles this about as well as you can expect i guess like that's like that's like that meme where it shows like level of thinking where it's oh, just yeah. fucking fucking light bursting out of your skull where you're like hold on let's look yeah. around everybody's getting it okay everybody's maybe that's, getting it maybe that's Pe- not fair cities without any jewish people are, are getting huh. it too like huh. you can't you clearly this can't be their fault Hey, look, um, I want hey, I want to blame him as much as you guys do. Trust me. I do. I'm the Pope. I want yeah. to. It would be great if we could. But love blaming just, people. Huge yeah, about blame. Huge. Catholics. I mean, I would love to scapegoat. <laughs> but, but I'm just eh, this one's tough. This one's tough. This, it's this just goat a tough. ain't it. This goat yeah. ain't it. <laughs> I, I will say it's interesting that the initial response of the Pope in thirteen forty nine, um, was arguably based in sounder science than the first responses of the President of the United States in 2020 to, to our own play. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Clement's reasoning yeah. is more solid yeah. than what Trump was dropping. Oh, um, no. So, there you go. <laughs> You're getting owned. You're getting owned from centuries in the past. So, Clement VI, I, I would say, responds to this about as well as you could have possibly hoped. But also, a lot of people m- ignore him. Millions of people ignore him. And there's also, obviously, there's individual Catholic priests, individual churches who don't you sure. know, follow it. Like, uh, but people in general Some people don't, don't follow to Twitter. Some people aren't on yeah. Twitter, just uh, as you and, say. If that's, some people don't know. Yeah, tens of thousands of Jews die horribly during the plague from violence, you know, kind of at minimum. Um, And the the explanation you'll hear most often for why these people were killed is that ignorant Christians assumed that the Jews were poisoning them all as part of some sort of like white genocide scheme. Um, And yeah, this is this is something the church does deserve some credit for because they spread the rumor that rabbis sacrificed Christian children for centuries. But um, the... (sighs) 
It's more complicated than that, even, though. Because uh, more yeah. recent research into the eradication of Jewish communities in Europe during the plague suggests that what happened actually has fairly little to do with the actual damage done by the plague. In other words, the places where Jewish people weren't killed weren't necessarily the places that suffered most from the plague. It wasn't, oh, a bunch of us died from the plague, and now we're angry, and we need a scapegoat to be violent towards. It's actually not, that's, that doesn't seem to be what really happened. And I'm going to quote now from a paper put out by the Elliott School of International Affairs at George Washington University. At an aggregate level, we found that scapegoating led to an increase in the baseline probability of a persecution. However, at the city level, locations which experienced higher plague mortality rates were less likely to engage in persecutions. Furthermore, persecutions were more likely in cities with a history of anti-Semitism consistent with scapegoating and less likely in cities where Jews played an, an important economic role. This gels with longstanding findings in the field of genocide studies. Um, essentially, what you're seeing is that like the towns that people hated Jews Jews the most before the plague took the opportunity to murder a bunch of Jewish people. The towns that suffered the worst from the plague, if they didn't have as much of a history from anti-Semitism, they didn't find themselves driven to suddenly start killing Jewish people. Right, um, right. Ugh. It was folks who just kind of took the opportunity. Um, and one of the things that seemed to be most protective of Jewish people during this time was the cities in which they were kind of most economically integrated. And this... Um, this brings us to a real fucking bummer in the field of genocide studies. Uh, and it, it I, I'm going to... I mean, gonna that qu- almost seems like a given. Like, Yeah, it's all like, a bummer. Hey, I want to tell you, like, the really, the coolest thing, the most fun thing about genocide studies. Like, that's, yeah. I don't know if that's ever a sentence someone's going to say. So thank you, though, for preparing me. I, I consider this one of the least fun things about genocide studies, even though it's I kind can... of explaining why genocides don't happen in some places. Right. Um, quote, according to the scapegoating theory, members of a majority experiencing negative shock settle on a specific target to blame for their problems. Another potential mechanism determining the likelihood of persecution focuses on the extent of economic complementarities, so the ability to which they're economically intermingled, between the majority and the minority. This thesis argues that patterns of economic complementarity and substitutability determine the ability of two groups to coexist. When the economic activities of the two groups complement each other, shocks may lead the majority to protect the minority because of its economic value. So that's Mm. a bummer that like what protected communities Mm. from, I mean, there's two ways to view it. Either the solace is like, oh no, like purely when people think that they have financial benefits from not murdering each other they don't murder each other that's the bummer where it's like oh god our only solution is more capitalism the other Mm -hmm. way to look at it is just that like no when when two different groups when a minority group becomes intermingled with a majority and they all become economically tied they get to know each other they shop at each other's stores and they don't and they're like oh no i i know these people they're part of my community i'm not going to murder them and right. I, I see can, that they have there's we have value that we offer each other, and at all it's not just like who the fuck are these people? Yeah, so yeah. you can you can interpret this in, a, in an optimistic view of human nature or a pessimistic view of human nature, and it kind I mean, of feeds yeah. equally well into either. You know, I wonder it, if it, it, it would be something <laughs> like, well, you know, once there's robots um, to do, we're just like, going to be murdered I don't left and do. right. That's I mean, that's my solution. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that seems I like mean, a that motive seems a little bit far off. You know, for years now, Miles, every time we've hung out, I've said, if there weren't robots, I'd be murdering you. Um, and <laughs> I, I never really thought about why I was saying that. But yeah, maybe I it's... always thought it was super funny. And then now yeah, that yeah. you said this, I'm starting. Anyway, yeah, we this, can explore yeah. that later. We, we, we can explore that later. Um, so, yeah, 
it's cool stuff. Um, anyway, there's a lot of the Black Plague is a bummer. Um, and and we're gonna move on from the Black Plague well now. Said. Uh, and the question of whether or not genocide is inevitable, uh, uh or if it's uh, only avoidable with economic complementarity or whatever, we're gonna we're gonna move on from that complicated topic of discussions to talk about something fun. The Spanish mm. flu epidemic of 1918. Are you a big span uh, flu fan? Are you oh, a man. you a flu stan? Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my exactly. god. Of the I mean, flues. Call me Doug Such a Flutie. good flu. Yeah. I'm so much about this whole thing. I love it so much. Um, yeah, if I'm, you know, no. The only thing I know is that I think Babe Ruth got it twice. That sounds about, that sounds like Babe Ruth. And a lot of yeah. people would say, you know, Babe Ruth, it's the Babe Ruth of flus. I think more modernly people would say it's the LeBron James of flus. But it's really, this is like your fucking. <laughs> hey, don't bring LeBron like his, into this shit. I'm just saying, if LeBron was a flu, he would kill 25 to 50 million human beings, Don't much like the Spanish flu. Shit. I'm proud of yeah. you for knowing who LeBron James Efficiency. is, though. Just as like a personal thing, I feel very proud of you for knowing he, who he, he is. He's, but don't bring he's him into this good shit. At dunking. Well, yes. look, I'm just trying to make this look accessible. Look at Sophie defending LeBron to the James. Audience. Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James. I mean, he's. I mean, How far yes. you've come? I mean, and you, like the you know LA Lakers. <laughs> Uh, the Spanish flu carried out a series of dunks all around the world um, that killed tens of millions of people, <laughs> just like the Lakers. Oh my um, God! Oh boy. Now this is. Do, do you do? You, have you heard much about like how the the name Spanish flu came about, Miles? I, isn't it like a xenophobic label? No. Um, well, it, it it became one. Actually, it's very. This is a, a, a tremendous irony. Um, okay. So the Spanish flu. We don't know where it came from. Some people say somewhere in Asia. Some people say somewhere in Eastern Europe. There's actually a really good chance it started in Kansas. And if you like, some of the people tracing it back think that it actually did start in Kansas. Whoa. Um yeah, and it, it, if the Spanish flu originated from Kansas, then it's probably the second deadliest thing to come out of that state, right next to Kirstie Alley. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking Ow. about Kirstie Alley recently. <laughs> yeah, what is she uh, up to? I don't know, I don't, but that I don't was know. wonderful. Killing twenty-five to fifty million human beings. Um, oh boy! So the moniker "the Spanish flu" came out. The Spanish flu started to break out in nineteen eighteen. And what was happening in nineteen eighteen? We have this this whole World War One thing. You might have heard of it. Um, it was kind of world wars <laughs> before world wars were cool. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before they got gentrified. Um, <laughs> before like Disney fucking <laughs> yeah, took yeah. over. Um, so the Spanish flu, the, this influenza hits and it starts killing people on the Western front is where a lot of early cases were and it spread heavily, but and it actually killed more people than the whole war did, but it starts spreading widely among soldiers. But like all of the Western powers had clamped down on freedom of the press during the war. So you couldn't report in England or in France or in Germany, you couldn't write stories about this new flu that was spreading. You'd get fucking, mm. you'd wind up in a fucking prison cell. Whereas Spain is a neutral power and their press is relatively free during this time. So Spanish newspapers start reporting on the influenza first. And so people blame, start assuming that it started in Spain. And there absolutely is racism and persecution as a result of this, but it just because Spain didn't clamp down on the press. Wow. <laughs> it's super fucked up. Holy shit. Oh, look at you had to fucking open your big fucking mouth and yeah, eyes. Yeah, shouldn't and have had journalists. Should just Spain. No, Idiot. I mean, it's good that they did, but it is just Holy part shit. of the, one of the lessons of history is that you should never do good things because everything's right. bad. No, that's not the lesson of history, but it can feel that way sometimes. Uh, 
don't lose hope. Let's talk about the Spanish flu pandemic. So the influenza didn't start uh, in Spain, but it did kill a fuck pile of Spaniards. Like it killed so many Spanish people, Miles. Mm. Um, I would compare it to like Christie Alley um, and its ability to murder people in Spain. Um, How many fuck piles to a Christie Alley? Seven or eight. Um, Okay. So, and in nowhere in Spain did the Spanish flu kill more people than the town of Zamora, or kill at least a higher percentage of people than the town of Zamora. Mm. Now, Zamora was renowned as being one of the most devout parts of Spain, which was a very devout country at this time, you know? Uh, And Zamora was particularly famous for its Holy Week processions, which are kind of like, you know, sort of like what we saw with the the Black Plague. You know, it's it's this thing that the church has always done. They would have these processions of barefoot hooded penitents um, like marching through town, and everybody sort of show up to watch them and worship together, um, which is a I'm sure a very satisfying thing to do if you're a Catholic believer, but also is a super good way to spread the plague. Yeah. Um, yep. So that is, that's a big part of the culture in Zamora. Um, okay. And now. So in 1914, Zamora had welcomed the arrival of a new bishop named Antonio Alvario y Bolaño. Uh, At 38 years old, the church newspaper El Correo had declared Bolaño an eloquent, youthful firebrand of a leader. So he's like this hot, young priest who comes into town. He's very popular. hell yeah. Very charismatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he's, you know, four years into the gig when the plague Mm. hits. Um, And so the Bishop of Zamora had been seen as something of like a wunderkind within church circles prior to this point, which is why he got that job so young. He'd been one of the best students in his seminary, and at age 23, he'd become the the chair of metaphysics at the seminary in Guadalajara. Um, So he was a very uh, well-respected guy within the church. Um, And yeah, the book Pale Rider by Laura Spinney notes of the bishop, quote, in his inaugural letter to his new diocese, Alvario Ibalano wrote that men should actively seek God and truth, which were the same thing, and expressed his surprise that science seemed to advance in step with a determination to turn away from God. The light of reason was weak, and modern societies mistake contempt for God's law for progress. He wrote of dark forces that wish to reject God, or even annihilate him if that were possible. So... We're not set up with this guy being a great dude to handle the first plague that hits in an era where people actually know about science and how disease spreads in a real concerted way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because what he is like, oh, don't come at me with science, bro. I'm a fucking man of God. Science Mm -hmm. is atheism receipts, and I don't need those in front of my face right now. Yeah, and this is like, you know, Spanish flu hits, we're like right on the cusp of antibiotics, you know, we haven't really locked that shit down, but like, we're starting to understand how all this shit works, and so there are experts who have good advice in the Spanish flu, and um, yeah, he's not going to be the kind of guy who listens to experts. So Absolutely not. when the when the influenza hit the country that would become its namesake, it started first in the east. Uh, by September, it had traveled into the interior of Spain. That fall was a particularly good time for it to spread in Spain because September is a harvest month, and it's also the month when many Spanish cities would host bullfights. Which, mm. again, I would say. I love fighting bulls. Um, during this time of the year, if you're like me, try to do it alone. Don't fight bulls with hundreds of other people in the center of the town. It's, it's going to spread, you know, COVID-19. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. How, how many bulls have you fought? I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to remember with all the head injuries, but, you know. Right. Yeah. So, fall was also kind of the time of the year in which the army would send new recruits to Zamora to conduct artillery 
drills. And this is probably how the disease first gets gets to the town, because some of these recruits were sick by the time they hit Zamora, and many soon followed. And at first, the city government attempted to quarantine sick soldiers in their barracks, but this did not work, probably due partly to the fact that soldiers infected people before anyone knew that they were sick, and partly due to the fact mm. that you just you can't tr- stop soldiers from fucking, you know, especially Spanish right. soldiers. They're just going to mm. fuck their way through that town, and they're going to spread those the disease pictures. the whole way. Yeah, of the uh, the legion, the Spanish legion. Mm-hmm. Oh my, la legion. Oh boy, we didn't. We, wow. we didn't even. There's a whole fun discussion about the fact that those guys were like the main arm of Spain's fascist dictator and uh, colonial. Right. Anyway, we don't <laughs> need to get into that. But yes, hey, but, uh, but those V's are so deep. You can troop, see those chisel chests. Troops be fucking, and Spanish troops especially be fucking, and I think when it, they be fucking, they be spreading the influenza. Yeah. When, I think you can assume, assume however, the hotter the soldier, yeah. the the more evil they are. Yeah, the, the more plague they're going to spread, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is why my presidential campaign will rest upon only hiring ugly people to be in the army. We're gonna, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I co-sign really, that. We're gonna lock this shit down. No, no more. You're gonna have no to more. brand that differently, so it's not like, yeah. Well, I'm actually, ugly, Miles, you've I'm landed joining. on it. This is our way of dealing with it. Is just branding their faces. You know, is, I'm a. Oh, I, I've always I said you can make anybody one. ugly with it. This probably yeah. is not an. This effective is a bad name. idea, no, no. but what I but mean Robert... was that you should. It should be a different name. Like it's not for ugly. It's an army of the normal. You know, the not hu- for the hot. So that way, you know, people don't have to admit to themselves nope. they might not be as beautiful. Robert, we don't, don't we don't want to do branding, but we do want to plug these brands because you know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of burning people's faces wow. permanently to make them less aesthetically pleasing and reduce the spread of fascistic militaristic dogma. You know what else will brand your faces in order to stop the spread of negative attitudes towards the sexiness <laughs> of violence? These mm-hmm. products. Mm. Ah. Great. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. We're back. So, yeah, these troops come into town. They they intermingle with the civilian population. Everybody in fucking Zamora starts to get sick, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And enough people are sick within a couple of weeks that it actually gets in the way of the town's ability to take in the harvest, which, of course, means people start to starve. It's not a good situation. And the whole problem was exacerbated by the fact that people did not have kind of an ideal handle on virology. Um, the the experts did, but normal people were still not all that far off from kind of where normal people were, you know, during the bubonic plague, right? There, there's right, right. doctors get this stuff, but like your average Joe doesn't. And I'm going to quote from the book Pale Rider again. During the first wave of the pandemic, the country's Inspector General of Health, Martin Salazar, had lamented the inability of a bureaucratic and underfunded health system to prevent the disease from spreading. Though provincial health committees took their lead from his directorate, they had no powers of enforcement, and they quickly came up against what he described as the terrible pignorance of the populace, the failure to grasp, for example, that an infected person on the move would transmit the disease. Oh, yeah. Ignorance. Pignorance. Yeah, we've never seen anything like that happen again, because we've obviously no. moved forward so much in the last century, and we can just laugh at these simple Spaniards for failing and, to uh, understand uh, virology and isolate themselves. Exactly. Oh my god. We know everything now. Look at us. We're yeah. not letting history fucking repeat itself over now, and goddamn over. Miles, I've been quarantined in a bunker since the start of March, but I can guarantee that Mm -hmm. one thing that would never happen in America 2020 in the midst of a plague is people Mm -hmm. gathering in mass in clubs and beaches um, while huge chunks of the country lock themselves down. That wouldn't happen because we're not... We're smarter than people were in 1918. And we haven't been systematically dismantling our education system to create people who might not really give a fuck about things like that. Nope, not us. I don't even know what systematically dismantling means, and I'm just going (laughs) to roll along to my story now. Is that a band? Sounds like it. Now, the popular liberal solution uh, to sort of like within kind of the intelligentsia, the kind of like more secular sort of people in like the cities in Spain, their solution to the plague uh, was what they called a sanitary dictatorship, a strict program of quarantine imposed from the top down to stop the spread of the illness on all costs. Uh, And dutifully, the newspapers of Zamora tried to explain the benefits of this system to the people. But first, they had to explain very basic facts about contagion to their readers, including the fact that the 
disease did not develop spontaneously as a result of God being angry at you. Um, oh. And a lot of, again, this is 1918, a lot of local doctors yeah. weren't helpful in spreading the real news. And I'm going to quote again from Pale Rider. Oh, no. One Luis Ibarra uh, suggested in print that the disease was the result of a buildup of impurities in the blood due to sexual incontinence, a variation on the medieval idea that immoderate lechery could trigger a humoral imbalance. So this guy is like, nah, it's oh. people fucking too much. That's yep, what that's makes you... Is. You fuck too much, God gets angry at you, and God's uh, anger goes into your blood, as we all know, and so the more of that God anger it. that builds up, it just starts mm-hmm. boiling out of you in the plague, and that's yep. how it works. What'd they tell you? What'd they tell you? What? That mm-hmm. it's not God that's angry at... Who told you that? It's because you're coming. scientist? Because oh, you're nah, coming. Nah. Yeah. And you know what? I bet that person doesn't come, or has mm-hmm. never cummed. I, it's such a fucking no, weird No, I'm ass. saying it right now. Dr. Louis E. Barra never came. Never. Not once. Yeah. I like that that's the first myth like they have to take down as like a like a press or like just to like the experts. Mm-hmm. All right. I know this flu is going around. It's really gnarly. And the question on everyone's mind is, is it God that's super angry at us? And that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And we got to say, no, that's not what it is. And it just feels like a very heavy thing to have to lay on to people. Yeah, God's not pissed at you, but you're still dying, and here's what we have to do. Right. Yeah, I, I guess there's probably is an extent to which a lot of people found it more comfortable to believe that just God was, God was, you know, kind of drunk and angry again, as opposed to mm-hmm. like, oh no, actually, this is just a thing that we're going to be dealing with probably forever, where sometimes horrible viruses creep up somewhere in the world and kill people all over the planet. And this is right. this is just the way it is. <laughs> and there is no reason to it. Uh, yeah. So the good news is that the actual government of Zamora listened to the experts, uh, the experts who weren't idiots at least, and announced a ban on large <laughs> gatherings until further notice. Now, we in the USA are well familiar with how our own country people reacted when this started to happen. Um, and the same things occurred in Zamora, only instead of drunk college kids on spring break, the culprit was the Bishop of Zamora. Uh, and I'm going to quote again from the book Pale Rider. On 30 September, Bishop Alvario Ibalano defied the health authorities by ordering a novena evening prayers on nine consecutive days in honor of St. Rocco, the patron saint of plague and pestilence. Because the evil that had befallen Zamaranos was due to our sins and ingratitude, for which the avenging arm of eternal justice has been brought down upon us. On the first day of the novena, in the presence of the mayor and other notables, he dispensed holy communion to a large crowd at the church of St. Esteban. At another church, the congregation was asked to adore relics of St. Rocco, which meant lining up to kiss them. So, mm. plague breaks out, let's get everyone into a small room, have them all dip their hands into the same yep. water, have them all kiss the same thing, like... Yeah. Hey, arguably, we're gonna pass around this party yeah. cup, everybody take a sip out this cup to uh, kiss that thing. <laughs> it, it, it is... Yeah. It is weird that like we got over like all of our pres- most of our prescriptions against like sex and intoxication, all the stuff that the Catholic Church would have said people shouldn't be doing. But the same mm-hmm. basic bad idea is the same. Like this group of people who thinks fucking is horrible, and this group of people who are all there to fuck are all still gathering in a small area and touching right. their mouths to the same things. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> like fundamentally, the problem is the same. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But you're just you're doing the worst version of it. That's the the uh, least fun version of what yeah, you could be doing. I, at, at least some of these dead people had a good party. I don't know if I want to say that, but it, it does sound... Yeah, it, I don't know. There's Again, there's no lesson here other than 
it's always a bad idea to shove your mouth on the same things other people are in a cramped room in the middle of a plague. I, yeah, at the yeah. very least is uh, what are the what are the scientists saying? What are experts saying? Keep your mouth off of things idea? and stay inside. Yeah. No, really? <laughs> nah, nah. It's like, fuck that. I'm going to a suck a bunch of shit party with a bunch <laughs> of my friends. Yeah. Well, I think I told Robert this, but the the kid that was like a TikToker that was going around looking toilets yeah. ended up in the hospital with coronavirus. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yep. Good friend. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to spare a whole lot of my sympathy for that Fuck kid. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, this guy ain't got time. Yeah. Keep him moving. Keep the so train that, moving. <laughs> the same day as the let's all kiss the same thing party. Uh, Sister Dositia Andreas of the Servants of Mary, a nun, died while treating influenza riddled soldiers at the barracks because, you know, she got sick from them. The bishop called her a virtuous and exemplary nun who accepted her martyrdom by flu with grace and aplomb. Um, he praised her for sleeping only four hours a day during this period, which I'm sure helped her immune system out a whole bunch. Now, hmm. the mother Four superior, hours a day? Yeah, she was so dedicated to hanging out with plague victims, and she died from it. It's a bummer. Um, The mother superior of this nun's convent was so taken by the sacrifices Sister Andreas had made that she urged all of the people of Zamora to turn out in large numbers for her funeral. And the bishop immediately hopped onto this, and he, he announced that all attendees of this nun's funeral would be given 60 days indulgence, which means... Like sixty days of get out of hell free cards, basically. Like sixty days that you like you don't gotta pay the church or like go to the go to the fucking mm-hmm. priest or whatever to like you know you don't have to like get your sins forgiven for sixty hell days yeah. because Dude. you've been the you've purge. been to this. So he promises everyone who shows up at this funeral and again a crowded and disease riddled uh, 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 cathedral that they'll all get out of hell free for two months. And while the newspapers of Zamora are, are all trying to warn people to stay home, they're also required because they're backed by the church to print the notices of church events. So they're simultaneously telling people to stay home and being like, huge plague party at the cathedral on this day, get out of hell for two straight months, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. A, a whole bunch of Zamoranos show up to this 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 funeral, uh, and the bishop calls the funeral in the face of a state ban on gatherings, quote, one of the most significant victories Catholicism has obtained, which oh. maybe is a stretch. Um, wow. Now, as Oct- Low bar. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. They've they're pretty they've they've had a lot of victories. We can argue they were victories that were won by doing horrible things, but they didn't get all those billions of dollars in art from losing. <laughs> mm. So as October began, journalists started to write about the weird fact that Zemarano seemed to be dying in much, much higher numbers than the residents of other cities. They blamed the problem on poor local hygiene, and later that month, the sanitary dictatorship they sought was finally put in place. People were fined for throwing trash into the streets. Businesses were closed for failing to pass inspection. Citizens were ticketed for letting their chickens roam free. But the Bishop of Zamora continued to hold mass, and Zamoranos crowded into the church in greater numbers than ever before. In fact, as the flu claimed more and more of their lives, the bishop repeated the prayer pro tempore pestilential over and over again. And this prayer basically states that the disease happens by the will of God, and only God's mercy can end it. And so as huge numbers of the people who chanted this prayer started to sicken and die, uh, the priest starts circulating a letter uh, in which he claims that the continuing deaths are proof that science can't cure the illness. So 
He's telling people to do the opposite of what the science says, telling them only God can pick who gets sick. A bunch of these people ignore the advice of scientists and get sick and die, and the bishop puts out a letter being like, see? These scientists are full of shit. Uh, He he writes, (laughs) quote, observing in their troubles that there is no protection or relief to be found on the earth, the people distance themselves, disenchanted, and turn their eyes towards heaven. And of course, Mm -hmm. heaven, as represented by the bishop, is telling them all to get into crowded uh, spaces together and kiss the same thing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you see what happened to those fucking idiots? That's right, let's keep the party going, baby. Yeah, so four days after sending out this letter, on October 24th, the bishop held a mass procession, bringing in worshipers from all around the countryside and cramming the cathedral fuller of people than it had been in years. Law enforcement attempted to stop this, pointing out that it was a clear violation of the ban on mass gatherings, and the bishop accused them of unjustly interfering in church business. The mass went on as scheduled, and in the days that followed, even more people sickened. And I'm going to quote again from Pale Rider. As in other towns and villages, a decision was taken to stop ringing the church bells and eulogy of the dead in case the constant tolling frightened people. But in other places, funeral processions had also been banned, not in Zamora, where mourners continued to pass through the narrow streets as the din of the bells gave way to silence. Even in normal times, coffins, white ones for children, were a luxury beyond the means of most. Now wood for coffins was hard for anyone to come by, and the bloated, blackened remains of the deceased were transported to their final resting place draped only in a shroud. In an echo of the ritual burning of incense to purify the altar, gunpowder was sprinkled in the streets and set alight. An approaching funeral cortege could thus be perceived only dimly through the choking black smoke, mixed at times with the fog that rose from the Duero in those cool autumn days. The town must have looked as if it were on fire, one historian noted. Ugh. Yeah, it would have looked like yeah. the end of the fucking world. Or like oh New York God. now, maybe. Um, so and just ca- even like, yeah, the yeah. inability to like bury their dead properly is just yeah makes it such a fucking stark picture it's pretty cool yeah. that in the space of a month our president has gone from we're we got 15 cases and soon there'll be zero to now the government is having to buy a hundred thousand extra body bags from canada pretty right. cool evolution for all this to take <laughs> like yeah i mean i think like maybe okay i said a hundred thousand might be a little more uh, and I don't know who I'm going to blame, but I'm just going to yeah. completely play it casually. It's really yeah. fucking From frightening. It's fine to, oh, we're out of corpse bags. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Oof. So the town of Zamora had one of the highest death rates in Spain, losing more than 10% of its population in the month of October alone. Um, mm. So that's a bad October. Um, now, this was nearly three times the overall death rate in Spain at the time. Uh, the Catholic Church in Zamora, working with for the bishop, declared to this frightful toll to be God's vengeance. Quote, the evil upon us might be a consequence of our sins and lack of gratitude, and therefore the vengeance of eternal justice felt upon us. When the plague finally left Zamora, much depleted, the bishop cheered that he and his fellow faithful had saved the town by placating God's legitimate anger. And the bishop of Zamora probably counts as one of the most deliberately and fatally irresponsible religious leaders of the entire Spanish flu epidemic. Uh, and of course, he suffered no consequences as a result of this. Uh, he, 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 he did fine. So that's good. Wow. wow. That's so a good lesson. He talked all that shit and then mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's, he did fine. made it to the end of the movie. He made it to yeah. the end of the movie. 
And he was far from alone. In fact, I found a Pathos article that included just a bunch of digitized newspaper assets, uh, and they mm. kind of like trace different American Christian leaders who were just as hell-bent upon leading their followers into disasters. This is not just mm-hmm. a Catholic thing. Uh, right. In Buffalo, New York, quote, while local churches remained in- closed in accordance with the mayor's proclamation, several congregations, however, have arranged to conduct outdoor services tomorrow. The Courier listed several open-air masses, and St. Paul's, the Episcopal Cathedral, planned to worship in Shelton Square with the assistance of its full choir. The service will largely consist of the singing of patriotic hymns and General Pershing's message to the churches of America will be read. On Sunday, October 13th, 1918, uh, Dr. W.S. Black, rector of the Episcopal Church, uh, wrote that he was angry to walk through town and find the pool room in full blast with an ample supply of patrons. Uh, So he goes through and he sees that like pools and bars are still open. So he's like, well, why should I keep my fucking church closed if other businesses are opened? Uh, He states, I believe in obeying the law of constituted authorities, but I'm under pledge to the boys over there that at customary times of service, certain prayers must be said. So he reopens his church in the middle of the plague and people start attending church again in indianapolis indiana 10 black apostolic christians were arrested for attempting to worship uh despite the fact that the board of health had told them not to quote from uh, their local uh newspaper when the seven women and three men were taken to police headquarters they began talking in the unknown tongue and it was some time before the turnkey and matron were able to learn their names so this sort of stuff happens all over the world as a result of the plague. Um, and science being what it was back then, it's impossible to say kind of how many of the dead in the Spanish flu epidemic could trace their illness from an infection they got in a church service that occurred after, like, things got closed down. We just weren't keeping right. good enough track to do that. Right, right. But thankfully, Miles, we have the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 to give us kind of a fun modern example for how virulent a single church service could be. So that's that's going to be fun. You want to do that, Miles? You want to talk about that? Oh, you you got the numbers? Uh, I sure do, buddy. Oh, boy. On February 16th, 2020, South Korea had 30 known cases of novel coronavirus. Almost all of the people infected had caught it from family or friends. On February 18th, only 39 people had tested positive. One of them was a 61-year-old woman known as Patient 31. She came down ill and decided to go attend her church anyway, and her church was the Shinjoni Church of Jesus in Daegu. Two days after this, on February 20th, 104 South Koreans had the coronavirus. Fifteen of these confirmed cases were members of or were directly connected to the Shinshoni Church in some way. So this woman attends a service while sick and knowing she's sick. Two days later, there's 15 cases connected to that church. Now... By March 25th, a month or so later, South Korea had more than 9,000 confirmed cases, and the Shinshoni Church Cluster was responsible for 5,080 of them, making up more than half of the total cases in South Korea, all because of a single worshiper who had to get to Bible study when she was ill. Wow. Um, Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, It's cool. And, I don't yeah. know. It's it's the yeah the irony of it all too is like you know people will use religion as a thing that they're like in their mind they may think I actually if if I go to church I may feel better or something like that but not actually being totally aware or considerate or whatever the reason is of like what the risk is to other people and even yourself from just going out there mm-hmm. it's cruel yeah and it 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 has a lot to do with the nature of this specific church but also a lot of churches do kind of the same things this church does so i'm I'm going to get into that in a second i do want to note right now since we started by talking about the catholic church it took them two plagues 
But I think they kind of got it right this time, right? The Pope was pretty early on, like, we're fucking none of, none, none of this no. shit. Like, stay the fuck home. We did this. God, yep. God understands, like, <laughs> like right. we don't got to be all dipping the same. Like, no. Um, yeah, he's like, because so, I got, if, if we were, if we get rid of all yeah. the good ones now, I don't know what the fuck we're going to be left with. Right. So the, the, the Catholic Church, at least broadly, got their, so third plague is a charm is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, th- so I mean, we really yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, American Christian churches only have one other plague. Like the next plague that comes around, we'll get it right. I think. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't. If, know. if Jesus, we follow, we'll see. We'll see. I'm really, yeah. I'm very excited for the next plague, Miles. We're gonna yeah, learn I mean, a lot. Well, from a that lot. One. I think that's really what yeah. we're gonna learn. Is like, all right, fourth plague is the charm. Oh I think th- I'm hoping third plague is the charm, but we'll see. There'll okay. there'll keep being more plagues, so we'll That'll get. That'll be the lesson. You'll be like, yeah. no, look. There's the only thing to learn from this is third plague's the charm. Yeah, that's For what it what? takes is three you plagues. Sick piece of shit. <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about some peculiarities of the Shinshoni Church of Jesus uh, that explain why five they got five thousand people or more sick. Um, yeah. So the Washington Post notes, quote, unlike other churches, Shinshoni makes its members sit on the floor tightly together during services in neat military-like ranks and files, says Lee ho Yan, who left the church in 2015. We were not supposed to have anything on our faces, like glasses or masks. We were trained to sing our hymns loudly. And of course, in Korea, as in a lot of parts of Asia, wearing kind of face masks is a lot more common. Um, you know, it's just like a, a thing people did mm-hmm. more often in regular mm-hmm. daily life. Uh, and the church had a specific prescription against that because they wanted to bring people together, which also in a time of illness gets them sick together. Um, that doesn't mi- even make, I mean, because in Asian culture, when you wear it, you know, it's to be considerate of other people. It's not because like I'm wearing this because it's like wearing a hoodie. Yeah. In but public. you're also Christianity in particular in a lot of parts in, in like in, in Korea also has like this kind of very powerfully, um, anti not i mean anti authoritarian might be the wrong word but like anti um countercultural thing right because mm-hmm, christianity is mm-hmm. not as common in that part of the world and i think this it's from what i'm reading this it seems like that's a part of this is that they're they're like right because they're like oh yeah, yeah that's what they would do yeah but we're trying to be connected and see each other's faces or whatever yeah and, and miss lee this this former member um who was interviewed by the post stated we were taught not to be afraid of illness we were taught not to care about such worldly things like jobs ambition or passion everything was focused on proselytizing even when we mm. were sick so if you're sick and you're proselytizing obviously you're going to spread it more so that's and that's how right. a lot that's why half of the cases in korea you know it, it, a month later are from this church clusters because a lot of these people are going out and ministering to people while they're contagious um and yeah it's 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 a bummer um now it's also not unique to to south korea um i think at this point we all remember that louisiana pastor who defied the governor's order to not hold Mm -hmm. gatherings larger than 50 people and like Mm -hmm. repeatedly held gatherings pastor tony spell um and he actually made the same justification one of those guys from 1918 made uh he stated he told cnn if we close every door in the city then i will close my doors but you can't say the retailers are essential but the church is not that is a persecution of the faith um so Mm. that's 102 years later you got the same basic line of reasoning Spell also yeah. believes that the pandemic is like politically motivated. Uh, there's another evangelical pastor, uh, Rodney Howard Brown of Florida's Tampa Bay Church, uh, who called people pansies for being scared of the coronavirus. Wasn't he like and, bussing people in? Yeah, he said his church would only close its doors when the rapture is taking place. Um, yeah, continuing to bus people in. I think this is the guy who got arrested uh, later. There's yeah. been at least one church who like got, and it was like a kind of a show arrest. Like he got, he was in and out. 
a, a right. little bit. I don't think it's going to do anything to him. Um, uh, but the scariest thing to me, so you can find d- many, many stories. And if I had a little more time, I probably would have collected a longer list of different shitty individual churches and the things they've said. But we're all familiar with a lot of religious leaders have said horrible, stupid things about you can't get it if you pray, or you know, my right. church isn't going to, Jesus will protect you, all these things that will lead people to take risks. Or they'll What's, just be like, you know what? I'm going to command God right now on yeah. TV to knock this off right now, okay? Yeah. But I need about $60,000 more to come in. And then I'll fucking, I'm going to tell God, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to say fucking, hey, God, quit it. And we want to be safe. This is all a problem, obviously. Each of these churches, these pastors, these people are are problems that we all have to deal with as we confront this virus. But I, I don't think that's not what scares me the most. Um, what scares me the most is what I read in a March 15th Washington Post article. Uh, Without guidance from the top, Americans have been left to figure out their own coronavirus solutions. It includes interviews with a number of pastors. I want to quote from that now because I find this terrifying in a totally different way. In Arkansas, the Reverend Josh King met with pastors of five other churches on Thursday to decide whether or not to continue holding service. Their religious beliefs told them that meeting in person to worship each Sunday remained an essential part of their faith, and some of their members signed on to Trump's claims that the media and the Democrats were overblowing the danger posed by the virus. One pastor said half of his church is ready to lick the floor to prove there's no actual virus, said King. And King, I think it seems like at least he he understands that it's a serious threat and real, and he took some actions like to try to 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 reduce you know the likelihood that his congregation would get it. But he's posted pointing like I don't know how to deal with this. The fact that a huge number of my pastors like yeah are willing to like lick the fucking floor to prove that there's no virus that scares me yeah. more than even the pastors pushing this stuff. Like how widespread this disinformation is and how Wide, decentralized yeah. it is. You know right. Um, I don't know if it's also like just feel like I can bro out so hard that I won't get sick. Like, dude, yeah, you want to fucking see, dude, how much I believe, bro? I'll lick yeah. this fucking floor, dude. This I'll fucking this coronavirus fucking floor, ain't dude. shit. So, Miles, that's the episode that I've got for you today. Oh, how, boy. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm just... Aroused? I'm, uh, just glad that I was raised in a house that respects science. <laughs> yeah. I was raised in a house that I thought respected science. Uh, oh, boy. Until recently. Yeah. Until recently. But, you know, that's a lesson for another time. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. <sighs> um. Yep. So, Miles. Hmm. You want to plug anything? Yeah, uh, I want to plug Daily Zeitgeist and 420 Day Fiance, which is that show I do with Sophia Alexandra, who you've had on numerous times. Uh, we get high and watch 90 Day Fiance. So if you want to escape and watch trash TV with us and be faded, come through. Yes, so do that. Um, go uh, find people who are bleeding and touch their blood to your eyes. Oh, no, no, that's a bad oh, thing. No, sorry, no, I mixed up my uh, my post-it notes here. Not I'm so that. sorry. Not that. Um, stay in your houses and listen to podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like our podcast, this podcast, which you can find wherever you found this episode of it. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's perfect. Um, that's the episode. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.